So today, we're going to go back again. What we covered all the way, I think 2008. But many people have been clamoring and clamoring. We need to get back on it and get it on CD. And I think we're going to try to do that as much as we can. And I think it's still also maybe one problem that most of us still have. That is spiritual forgiveness. We must get that clear tonight by God's grace. In fact, it is a topic, love and forgiveness, all those things is a topic that should be repeated just about almost every minute. In fact, if we have it where we can put it and go through it every day, because sometimes we forget. Do you know one thing? Somebody may tell you that, especially in this, this place, remember last time I was talking about when people just go about and say, I'm a very good uh, Christian woman. I'm a very good Christian man. They say it a lot around this place. And all of a sudden, wait until that little toe is stepped upon. And then he invokes brimstone and hellstone. And, I mean, this is somebody who says he's a, he's, he's a good one. Until the Spirit of God takes over. Spiritual, why am I saying spiritual forgiveness? Most of the things you will see in the book is all spiritual. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said it right. In John 6, he said, the word that I speak to you, except the word of God becomes spirit and life in you. That is you living the word of God. You see, that is you walking and living in the word of God. It's all meaningless. Except one becomes the spirit. Except one becomes God. I am not talking about the God Almighty, please. The small g. Except one becomes him. In spiritual agreement with him. Walking with him. Because the two cannot walk except they be in agreement. They cannot. It's not possible. So, that's why I'm saying spiritual agreement. And I will show you the difference. We'll go through it. The spiritual forgiveness of others. I'll show you the difference between forgiveness and spiritual forgiveness. Why, again, am I talking about spiritual forgiveness? Those who are born of God have become spirit of God. And if they are spirit of God, according to 1 Corinthians what? If you look at 2.16, it said, now we have the mind of Christ. That's why we went through about one who is born of God, having four characteristics. A spiritual heart, a spiritual mind, a spiritual body. And the new spirit. Everything that the Lord has taught me. That I'll be going on. That is why see, my calling has nothing to do with. Maybe go and do crusade. And people who have never heard about God. If I just get up there. And addressing people. Who are not really involved very deeply in the church of God. Church already. I don't think. I think they will just probably just cause me to get out. Right? They will not understand. That is why I will send you to my churches. And you know one thing why God is saying I will send you to my churches is because his churches is where the problem is. The, the problem that God, that we have right now with God is in the church because there are people already there in the church gotten by God that are really seeking God but are being misled. They are deceived. They are manipulated one way or the other. And they have gone astray or they become so complacent. They become, just, just think that everything is fine but it's not. But those are the saints of God. God loves them. And he wants them to return what? To the love of the truth. Come back to me. That's even more important to God now than an outsider. I'm telling you right now. The bed you have in your hand is what that what? Didn't they say even in the business that that one who is actually the one encouraging you every time. That's the one you should go to every time. That's the way God is. So 
dealing with forgiveness is has always been a big problem we have. And we'll define forgiveness and we'll go through it before we have any questions. If you see anyone and if you can identify anyone who actually loves but lacks forgiveness, then I will show you a devil. Let's get it now. Let's get it now. Let's go back. God is love as love is forgiveness. There is no one who can ever say, I love, I know how to love. And still, that's a human being he has not forgiven. I wish all of us that you to come here, we're all here. Because we need to make sure, but they see the probably. There is no one who will say, there is love of God in me. And yet there's somebody have not forgiven. It doesn't work that way. Because how can you just say you love, but there's somebody have not forgiven? Because if you have not forgiven somebody, you don't love. The love of God is not there. And if you can show me somebody who says, oh yeah, I actually love someone, but I cannot, I find it difficult to forgive. Then I will show you a big cloud with that rain. I will also show you probably the sun in the middle of afternoon with no light. And I'm trying to make sure you got to understand because anyone who says, I love, I am with God, but yet cannot forgive is yet in darkness. And the Bible tells us one thing, that all those in God can never be in darkness, they're in the light. Because God is light. In 1 John, what? 1, 1, 5 to 6. First John 1, 5 to 6. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, because anybody who has unforgiveness in his heart or her heart is walking in what? In darkness. We want to make sure that this is sinking. Anyone who has unforgiveness in his heart, is walking in darkness because the light is not there. You cannot be light and darkness at the same time. Are we getting it clear? We cannot be light and darkness at the same time. Therefore, God is perfect love. I'm coming right now. God is perfect love. And we have dealt with perfect love. To be perfect as our heavenly father is. That's a prayer we pray. I know that I'm going to cover something right now because some people who are going to say, who can do all this? That's a good question. I'll come to it. Who can ever do all this? God has commanded us that we should be perfect in love as he is. And to walk in that love. In 1 John 2, 6, he said what? If you say you abide in me and I abide in you, then the works I do, how I live, the examples I set, is what you should do. You should walk that. And he tells us one thing that is written very clearly. If you look at what? John 14. You look at 12. He said what? Those in the Lord say, the works I do, they will do. Even now, they will do more. Because I am over there with my father, interceding for them and giving them that spirit that will help them. So, walking in the work of God. Otherwise, if God works differently in forgiveness and we walk differently, we're not together. 
Because as we know now, Amos 3 tells us what can two work together except there be an agreement that is not possible for them to because of how God is. And it is quite clear in the Bible. I'm just trying to build up the background we're going to follow right now. The Bible tells us what in John, Matthew 5, 8, it said what? Blessed are the pure in heart. Let's get it now. Blessed, because this is something that can set us free forever. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they are the only ones who shall see God. And somebody can be saying, why are we talking about perfect and perfect? Let me tell you one thing. Whether we like it or not. Because someone some will tell us. I was, I was discussing with one pastor. Maybe about two days ago and we were laughing. And it goes on. Especially in this country. Because sometimes you know, I talk a lot about our own. But especially in this country, they have gotten so relaxed. In fact, they don't want to hear anything. They think, oh, Christ died on the cross. You know, look upon that cross. Everything will be clean and you wash. You can look there on the kingdom come. It's like saying, saying this. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. If you want, call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, 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 he shall not be saved. What the scripture is saying. What is calling upon the name of the Lord? First of all, you must believe in the Lord. Then how do you believe in him and walking with him together if you're against him? Let's, let's get, be realistic. I believe in him. That's why we're telling the Jews, said, you can't even hear what I'm telling you. It doesn't mean that they didn't hear it from the ear. It's that they will not practice it. They will not leave that, whatever they hear. That's why James told us what? Be you not only hearers, but also the doers. Because the doers of the world will be the only ones who will just be what? We bless that can see the kingdom of God. And the way need even to go back, if you look at Matthew 7, you go all the way there, Matthew 6, I'm sorry about that, when you say, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, 21 to 20 something, will enter into the kingdom of God, but only those who really actually walk according to the will of my Father that is in heaven. So one actually that has not have a pure heart shall not see God. And there's no one who has unforgiveness in his heart. That can un, that can ever see, that can ever claim that he has a pure heart. Am I? Is, is, are you in agreement with this one? If I have unforgiveness eating me up, you know. Do you know the funny part of it? Some of the most unforgiving hearts are we Christians, and yet we're supposed to have the heart of God. No, no. I'm just, some of some of us, the most unforgiving. I have run into some. I can tell you one, one reverend who told me said what somebody did to him many years ago. That's why he will never go to that place. And something happened in Houston here. But I thank God for it. After that, some, there was a brother. This guy, the first time when I ever came to the Nigerian community after the encounter with the Lord, and I was sharing something for 15 minutes, he was covering it. He was writing something. And from that day, he told me, he said, that was the end of Anything is Muslim religion. That if this man he had known for the longest time in this place, with all the things he has been able to accomplish according to them, is now speak this that he would join. And actually he turned. But one time I told him he was talking to me. And I said I was going to the Bible study. He said, Oh, Bible study, I want to come there. I want to come there. I said, Well, okay, this is where we are going. This is where. He said, No, there's something that. That person did that didn't like. I will never, never go to such a place. I said, you begin to really be careful and begin to repent. 
And you know, it did take up to, I think, less than two weeks. He passed away. Now, and some of us will come, especially in this country. I thank God for wanted, okay, because of our culture. In this country, some will tell you, said, even their own parents and siblings, oh, no, no, he did this to me, and I will never talk to him as long as I live. Somebody told me that. I said, as long as I live, I will never talk to him. I said, well, but I have a question for you. I agree with you as long as you live. Don't talk to him, Don't talk to him or her, or whatever you want to do. But how long is that? As long as I live. But how long would he live? Is the issue. Because it could end another day. So you see, unforgiveness in the heart is the worst form of witchcraft. It eats you up and eats you up and eats you up. And unless that lives, the Spirit of God will never come in. Because that heart that is unforgiven is evil. It's also wicked. Listen to me now. The heart that doesn't forgive all is evil. And is what? And did we, we know what happens to somebody who is evil. This is hell. Yeah, maybe. What, what of, let's say Proverbs 11.19, right? Do you have Proverbs 11.19? As, righteous, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. To his own death. Anyone who pursues evil that's evil in his heart is only pursuing it to his own death. Now, please, let's get this one. And, of course, we know about wickedness, right? Last week, I brought this up again. Remember 7-Eleven, the covenant store? God said, God is angry with the wicked every single day. I'm just trying to make sure we get this. He's angry with the wicked every single day. So how do we define forgiveness? Because I want to see if I can cover everything about forgiveness today. I don't, I don't know if we can, but we try. And you don't tell. Forgiveness. And the difference between forgiveness and spiritual forgiveness. Let's make sure we can get it. Please understand it now. Forgiveness is a total discharge. It is setting someone free. But there's one thing that you cannot do. Can you ever give what you don't have? Can anybody give what he does not have? No. Which means that if you're not free, you cannot give freedom. And someone who has unforgiveness in his heart is still in darkness and is not free. And the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians, what? Thread 17. It says, and this God we're talking about is actually spirit. And where he is, where his spirit is, wherever it is, that's freedom and liberty. That means that if the person is not free, there's no liberty. I want to tell you one thing. The knowledge of the truth. The Bible said that you shall know the truth. Right? And the truth shall set you free. The knowledge of the truth is the perfection of love. Why did I stop on love only instead of obedience? Because you have to pass love before you even get obedience. That's why Christ said, if you love me, that's force. If you claim you love me, then you must what? Obey me. Love is the only thing that goes off force. It's a discharge. It's a total, completely setting one free. Letting go without any problem and going through. A spiritual repentance. I'm watching that. It's actually that forgiveness from the heart. That's the difference. That leaves no trace of any resentment whatsoever. 
That is an unbelievable, profound fruit of the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying for that. You need to be praying for that. It is a total, that release that actually leaves no trace of bitterness or resentment or anything at all. It is a forgiveness with love. I will explain it. Unbelievable. Somebody may say, oh my, what do you mean by forgiveness with love? But didn't I tell you that the standard when Christ came, and that was not a new standard. The standard of one who is born of God when it comes to love, I told you it has changed. It's not only that you love your enemies. Can you believe that? You love your enemies. But now you bless those who curse you. Isn't it? The standard has gone differently. It's higher. You bless those who curse you. You do good to those who hate you. But nobody can. I, I know that somebody, I see one sister who's, I think the head was shaking like, oh my goodness, who can do this? I, we, we know who can, who can do this. Who can be perfect in forgiveness? It's a good question. After all, we are human beings. God is God. But that's one thing we need to understand. I'm talking to those who are the court of God. I'm not talking to it just about everybody. Because no one can do it except it's born of God. Except he is born of God. That's what Christ was telling Nicodemus. Nicodemus, unless you are born of God. And so who are these people? They predest the so read me Romans. Let's get that. Romans 8, right? We always have it. Romans 8, 28 to 31. You can see the special position of these people that God is talking about. Romans 8, 28 to 31. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Are, let's stop right there. They are the called according to his what? Purpose. These people are specifically chosen before they were born and called according to his purpose. Go on, please. For whom he foreknew, he yes. also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can, who can be against us? In other words, if God is with us, is there anything that can be impossible? No, no, that's, this is exactly, I'm, I'm turning the other way. If God is with us, so our problem is actually from, remember when we dealt the spiritual repentance? He said, those who are chosen to transform them into the image of the Son. That's why Christ came. And that is why he's giving us the power. I'm talking about people who are the elect of God, please. Somebody may go out and say, oh, he's saying that we have to be perfect in forgiveness. Nobody can do it. Is he perfect? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not perfect. I cannot be perfect except I'm given to be perfect. And God then can help me if I say, Lord, what I've been doing is wrong. I totally surrender all. Everything that I've been doing. I am nothing. Because he told us what? In John 15, 22, he said, you can do nothing without me. You see? And then, these are the people that he gave a promise that was fulfilled with Christ. Read me Jeremiah, please. That one, that, that the three. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. 
and I will be their God, and they shall be. And my they shall people. be. I will write the law. This, these are the, the elect and selected of God, the justified of God. They were chosen before the foundation of the world. And that's why he said, there is nobody who comes to me except is drawn by me. That means I've chosen those who want to draw. Whatever the reason or whatever it is, why God will choose you and I, I don't know. And I don't want anybody to ask me because if you go to Romans 9, it tells us, well, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Because I'm God, I will do whatever I want to do. I know why I'm doing it, so don't ask me anything. You're just a pot. You're just a clay. I'm the potter and they're asking me a question. I have chosen those. But that is something, if we understand such a blessing, such a position that God has put us, then we will panic and make sure that we say, Lord, you look down from heaven and of all the billions, we are the ones that you have called. Then when God is increasing, he's doing something else, all we need to do, go down and humble. He said, well, if you do that, I will give you then the power. If you look at what John 1, right? To have said, unto those he has given the power to become the children of God. And the same people are the ones he's given the power to do what? To do what? <laughs> to get wet. But oh no, you people love well. Read me, <laughs> read me Matthew 11 13, please. Let's. For all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing, go ahead, read it. Yeah. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. Okay, read me Matthew thirteen eleven. He answered and said to them, "Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given." I am talking to people. Please listen to me. That's why some people sometimes when they come, they go and say, oh, this is very difficult to really accept or to understand because I'm not talking to children. I'm talking to people that God has chosen for this time to get back to the love of the truth, to understand. He said, unto you, when anybody else is complaining, you shouldn't complain because unto you I have given what? Yes, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Even when the Pharisees, you know they were warring Christ. The Sadducees even came to their own after the, the Pharisees fell. And they were, telling, they were asking Christ, well, what is all this about resurrection? After all, we don't believe in it. And they were giving a, what, example of a, a man who had so many, a woman who had so many husbands. And then after he said, what? And you know what the Lord said? He said, because you people do not understand the mysteries. What I'm saying, you will not you will not understand it. But if it's given to you, Matthew 19, 11, please. But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. To whom it has been given. Because you see, for Christ to have been able to say in Matthew 5 48, we dealt with it and said, Be you perfect. Like a heavenly father. And everybody said, whoa, how is this is going to happen? But God has been consistent from the beginning. God has only dealt with the people who were righteous and perfect. I'm telling you right now, in terms of dealing with them as the children. Okay, if you go on it, let, let's say, for instance, Genesis. Genesis 6, you look at 8 and 9. Can you read Genesis 6, 8 and 9? God looked down and said, man, I, my heart burns because of human beings. 
They're so wicked and they had so desperately wicked. I'm going to wipe everyone out. But he, he stopped and said what? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect okay. in his generation. I don't know if you want to go further. Read me Genesis 17.1. You can see how God operates. It didn't start today. 17.1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Be thou perfect if you want to walk before me because I am a perfect spirit. I am holy. That's why he told us what. In, in, if you look at Isaiah, what, if, as, look at what God is saying in Isaiah 66. He said, or sit one rather. He said, I am a holy God. I live in a holy place. I cannot dwell in any place that is not holy. I don't know how we think that somebody that can hold. That's why he told us all the way, even from Genesis, he said, I am holy. You be what? Holy. But the people want to tell you, oh, no, who can do it? Um, who can do it is you are talking about canon. You are talking about flesh. In other words, whose flesh can do this thing? But we're not talking about people who are flesh anymore. We're talking about that people who the flesh had been crucified forever, joining Christ. That is why I told you that when I was just ministering to one church and during the Easter Sunday, I said, well, and the Lord said, well, ask them. Yeah, they are all, they say they are baptized and they died with me. But how many of them have risen with me? That's the issue. It is not a question of Christ have risen, but Christ may rise 100 would of no use to you and I. They said to rise with him. That's what he told you. What did they say? Remember the apostles, he told them, said, you guys keep rejoicing because the devil was subject to you, but that doesn't make sense. The devil may be subject to you, doesn't make a difference. But only rejoice if actually a name has entered into the kingdom of God. Because then you can rejoice. Otherwise, your rejoicing is in vain, he said. So what I'm saying is that when you talk about perfection, then you look at even Job. Uh, we went through this Job before. Job 1. God was talking about Job. He's a perfect man. In fact, even in verse 8, he was boasting of Job. He says, Satan, have you ever seen a human being like that? I am so happy with him and this and that. And that's the kind of person that he said, if he dies, God will be rejoicing. But if you and I, who, if we are sinners, we die. He said, God is really grieves him. So perfect Forgiveness or spiritual forgiveness. It is the spiritual forgiveness is that one. There's no more stress. What actually has left there is happiness. In, let me. T I'm just telling you, you are spirit of God. That is why. What is it? Didn't we see the first John, right? Not even John. Let's say John. John three, five to six. John three five six. Please. Jesus answered, "Most assuredly, I say to you." Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You see, that which is born of the spirit, that which is born of God is God. That is why Christ came and said, the time now has come and has been fulfilled. That those who worship God, they will only do it in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. There's no way flesh and blood can worship God in spirit and truth. Just as much as flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So there's that transformation that comes from a total surrender. 
and shunning all the feel-good doctrine I've been talking about, and all everything else, and say, this is the truth, I'm going to follow it. And there's no way you can follow the truth, except you walk the truth, you live the truth. This is the word of God, I'm going to live with it. Ezekiel 20, 11, 12, that they have given them the statutes, have given the laws, so that those who actually walk in them must also live by them. Am I, are we, are we together? They must live by them. So, spiritual forgiveness, no trust. But it's not only that. There's another way you need to understand. That's the tricky part of it. Pray to God to have that. If you have it, my sister, my brother, you have made it very far. But you cannot every day cry. But to be determined to willingness as a Lord, I want to forsake all. Everything that offends you and grieves you. Help me with your spirit. Then he said, I will give that transforming spirit, that enabling spirit. Because that spiritually you are forgiving somebody. Means that you have not, there is nothing that is a trace of bitterness. I'm not saying there's no trace of that thing anymore. Please understand me. But there's no bitterness. There's no anger anymore. And only that, you have even gone further. Listen, spiritual forgiveness is not complete. Except you have gone further in love. And I'll show you how it is done. This is it's getting complicated, right? Is it? <laughs> Spiritual forgiveness is not complete. Except there's no trace of bitterness, resentment that you have in your heart. If you have any trace of bitterness and resentment in your heart, you have not forgiven. Let's get it now. I have forgiven him after all. Everything is okay. Yeah, I have forgiven you. But still inside me, it's born. Man, that guy, what he did to me, I would like him. You have not forgiven him. But you got to do another. That's an illustration now. And that book is there. And some of you have had it even on TV every time. That illustration of one who is actually in jail. Maybe it was me that went to prison or whatever it is. That there was a fine of $1 million. A lot big fine. And then he couldn't pay it. And behold, Pastor Charles or somebody who didn't even know this person at all just went there and paid this fine. No strings attached. No condition at all. There is no exchange. There is no even expectation of reward. Nothing is done. That is what Christ did for us. But you see, when Christ did that, when he forgave us, listen to me carefully. My own extension of it, and I, I wrote in that book, I said, my own addition is this. When the prisoner walked, walked out, and then he inquired of the good man who did all this, and nobody knew where he was, except he left a note for a prisoner, and said, you know one thing? As I did unto you, do it unto others. Now, he didn't forgive him only. He told him what to do. For life. That means that we will not only forgive. But we are going to have to really buckle up. The very moment you forgive. Then the spiritual duty has been ushered in. To intercede for the one who has hurt you. That's when you have become. That's when the spirit of God now lives in you. Because you will not be satisfied. To see that that person is lost. That's when you begin to show love. Because love without action is dead. I love, I love. But there is nothing else you are doing about it. This person who has offended you, and now you found out that the Spirit of God has taught you and said, this person who offended me didn't know what he was doing. That's exactly what Christ did. 
if you look at what Luke 24 to what 34, he told the same thing. He said, Father, do what? But he stopped right there. He said, Father, forgive them. Christ didn't stop there. I'm giving you three examples right now. None of them he stopped there. And that's how God is. He said, forgive them. Because what? They don't know what they're doing. In fact, Christ was almost pleading at that point. He wanted to say, Father, forgive them. But I want you to remember, my father, that these people, whatever happened, don't get angry because they don't know what they are doing. If someone who hosts you, if someone who doing evil you, knows God as you know God, he will not do it. That person is still in darkness. That person actually has no knowledge. As you, the light of the world, you're supposed to show him the light. You're supposed to lead him on. Now, look at an example. The woman that was caught in adultery. If you look at John, what, 8, 11. Christ did not only say, I don't condemn you, okay, I forgive you. You forget because Christ, we know, and God are the same. Right? We say, we say the same thing, right? Okay. She, he forgot this woman. But he wanted to make sure this woman got the message of salvation, of life. Please, I want you to do that. We're forgiving somebody. It may be enough, but God may say, well, but even though you forgive this man, but did you bear some fruit? That's what I chose you for. In John 15, 16, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I did it only for one reason, that you may bear fruit. You have had an opportunity thrown on your lap. An opportunity of an evil person has come before you. What have you done with him? Yeah, you're forgiving him, but did you do anything more? I'm trying to let you know that so that because when you will be able to go on your knees and plead for somebody who has hurt you and say, God, have mercy. Oh, you have arrived. You have gone to a different level of spirituality. It's a maturity in the Lord. So, this woman, I didn't condemn you, you can go. But he said, look, make sure. I want to tell you the way out. From now on, go and do it no more. We see in the Acts of Apostles. The legendary Paul, when he was saw, asked for Apostle 9 6. Christ didn't just say, Can you read that one? He didn't just say, I have forgiven you. But he did more. Because why? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. Already, you see, before God will forgive Paul, do you know God already prepared salvation for, for, for Saul? Why was he doing that? Two things. Number one, in doing that, Christ was actually fulfilling the prophecy of his what? What it's all about. What did he tell us if you look at the guy? In Isaiah, he said what? He said, I came to set the captive free. My job is to let them go. I didn't come to kill. I came to serve. He manifested that whatever he said that that was what was sent for. That's exactly what he was telling Paul. Paul, go. I've already prepared somebody that will touch you and then you will find life. And that's what I come here to do. Now, that is spiritual forgiveness. Now, the situation about it is this. We have already answered who can do it. That one who is born of God and transformed into his image. That can handle that. Which is a forgiveness. But where do you start your forgiveness? Some of us have that. We've been bottled in a long time. 
You know, some, some of us go about and we say, we are going ahead and ministering to other people. And even there was a, even my prison everywhere, whatever, whatever. But we forget about the prison in our mind, in our heart. There are people that we have been prisoned there for the longest time. And the example he has given to us, he said, if you are my, if you look at what Christ was telling about even love, you look at John 13, 34, he says what? There's a new commandment that I have given to you. I want you to do as I did. Love others as I have loved you. In other words, what is he saying? Forgive others as I have forgiven you. Oh, it's, it's, all, it's, it's there in the Bible somewhere. What's Colossians? Let's say Colossians 2, 13 to 14. Read that first, then read Ephesians, please. And you being dead in your trespasses. Oh, listen, please. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, mm -hmm. he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having nailed it to the cross. You are forgiven and you are saved by grace. Is there any way? It's a gift. Let's get that now. And then, if you are saved by grace, and you don't instead that grace to somebody else, there's something they say, I don't know how to put it in English very well. You know, like, uh, whoever is born is actually born to really increase. Well, well, God even told us, he said what? Multiply and increase, blah, blah, blah. And then if you don't multiply and increase, there's something wrong. That's what he was saying. I've given you grace, and then you stop. And you stole my gift and put it in your pocket. And you're not doing anything. And you don't even do anything. Forgive. Read me Ephesians 4, please. Study it Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave even you. Even as in God in Christ forgave all. We don't want to read all of it because if you just go on even Romans 5, it says it's what? He said, why you are yet dead in uh, sin? Christ died for you. And that's something that happened. I, mean, they, I was just giving a revival and one, one man was giving, asking a question. And uh, he said that the son offended him so much that he asked the son to leave. And I didn't know where the son was. He said, what would I do? What do you want me to do? Shouldn't I wait until come to say sorry? And the pastor said, I have an answer for that. I said, go ahead, pastor. He said, you must wait until he says sorry. I said, where did you see that in the Bible? <laughs> That's how you mislead people. Whatever that is not the word of God, don't give it to anybody. You see? Even Christ told us, uh, if you have that 100 and one is missing, he said you should do what? Leave that one and begin to look for the other one. I didn't say it. You see? Even the father of the prodigal son was almost going crazy. He could not wait for the son to come close. He didn't even hear the son. Whatever he was saying was sorry anymore. And only that, Christ who died, God didn't wait until he said we are sorry. No, I just want to let you know. I don't know how many of you said sorry 2,000 years ago when you were not even born, but he died for you. Now, that's one other thing you have to understand. If you wait until somebody says sorry, you act like an unbeliever. Because you are saying, 
I'm not going to be able to just go. Why would I just, after all, he was the one who offended me. But you see, that's not the issue. The issue is that my sister and my brother is lost. He doesn't know what is going. I should handle everything with love and try to help him to understand. And beside, let me tell you one thing beside, left alone, since you say you, until the person comes, listen to me now, I'm just going to, I'm trying to get this, left alone, how many of you would have been able to come to God? Yet he said, no man comes to me, except I draw him. Have you ever believed this? I know we read that, uh, what, Romans 8 something, said that it was all done before even we were born. And not only that, a stubborn and a heart that is uncircumcised, that is, has a devil in him, finds it difficult to say sorry. I don't know if you don't know that. If you want to wait on say sorry, a proud heart and a stubborn heart, forget about it. You're going to be there until the kingdom come. And God is going to ask you one day, what did you do with what I gave you? You say, I was waiting for him to come. Then he's going to say, oh, you wicked servant, get over here. You wait until you, you wait there until he gets there. But it's just by the way what I'm trying to tell you right now. Forgiveness is a witchcraft. Unforgiveness, sorry. That we eat both. And now you look at the situation about unforgiveness. And we see some of the consequences of unforgiveness. A heart that does not forgive will not be forgiven. Listen to me now. It was New Year's and everybody was jumping New Year's. <laughs> Doing all the revival. And they were just, uh, oh, no, 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 no. We cannot. What would you want us to do with all that witchcraft? All of them. The, you know, for some reason, that, that area, everybody seemed to be a witchcraft. But I keep telling them, I said, you don't know that you're the worst witchcraft when you don't forgive. You think another person is a witchcraft. How about yourself? Sometimes we think that everybody else is wrong, but what? <laughs> wrong. So I was just saying, okay. We have to forget. Now we cannot forgive everybody this and that. And the Lord said, oh, it was unbelievable. I was standing there. He said, let them recite the Lord's Prayer. And it went on, blah, blah, blah. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When they got to verse 12, he said, stop. I'm telling you, what like, tell them to stop. And they stop. He says, so be it. I will not forgive. Because you, every day you put a curse on yourself. Forgive us our sins. As we forgive. And God said, Thank you. You have already prayed it. I'm not going to forgive you because you don't forgive others. It is the cost we put on ourselves every time we pray. If there's unforgiveness in our heart. And let me tell you one thing. The psalmist did not make a mistake when he said what? In Psalm 66, 18. He said, if I regard any iniquity in my heart, God will not even hear me. Whatever that may be, I'm not going to hear you. That's what God says. Because there's something there. And that's why he told us what in Matthew. If you look at the you, you just go through Matthew 6, 15. It says, if you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. As elementary, as elementary and simple as that may be, how many of us really put it to heart? As elementary, if you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. He has already said it. And if we're not forgiven, we are done with. This is it's scary, I'm telling you. If we're not forgiven, we are done with. And God has made it clear. If you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. There is nothing that hinders prayers more than unforgiveness. Matthew 5, what? 23, 24. 
pasal cas saja lebih duit. Ah, Matthew 5, 23-24 Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come and go and reconcile for I will not receive it. That's what God is saying. Your heart is what? You know what he did for David? He said, David, don't build a temple for me. Your heart is full of blood. And some of us will be saying, our heart is not full of blood. But you see what Christ was saying. Even though they said, whoever commits murder. But I say to you, whoever will just go there and with all that bitterness and unforgiveness, say, I've already committed murder. Well, I mean, it probably is not written just like that. But he said, whoever says to the brother, thou fool. I don't know which one is worse, unforgiveness and thou fool. But Christ is not talking about, you say, like, let's say my brother says something, I say, ah, oh, come on, you fool. It's not what God Christ is talking about, but he's talking about that heart that is so bitter and angry that will kill. It's already killed. That heart is, that's willing to kill, but doesn't want to kill because he'll go to prison. Has already killed. Oh, oh you may say, well, what is this coming from? After all, he told us what? In our daughter, right? I don't want to get into it now. He said, well, whosoever lost after a woman in the heart. He's already done that before. It doesn't make a difference what happened later. Maybe it didn't work out, but he has already done it. That's how God is. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's watching the heart. How is that? That's why I said, pureness of the heart. And that's why we went to Proverbs. We said what? He said, guide what? Your heart. Your heart. For out of it flows everything else. God, your heart, that's the, the key thing. Let never your heart and your mouth be in conflict. It's a crime. I put it as a crime. Let it not be. So how do you, what do you forgive? This is the way to start forgiveness. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to finish. Maybe we cannot finish it. You start forgiveness from point number one. Where? Forgiveness starts from point number one. Where? No. Forgiveness starts from point number what? You. Forgiveness is sin. Let's get it now. Forgiveness is unrighteousness. Am I, am I? Unforgiveness. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Please. Unforgiveness is what? Unrighteousness. And what did, you, what did they tell us about unrighteousness? Every unrighteousness is what? Sin. God bless you. Please, let's get it. Every unrighteousness is sin. So unforgiveness is sin because it's a wicked heart that is there. So you start from there. Start from there calling upon God to please have mercy to forgive you for every trace of unforgiveness that you have in your heart. No matter whatever the person has killed you. And sometimes it could be those people who, who, who were born only for your torment. I mean, have you had people like that? It seems like they were born just to hurt you. To make every torment you. You see? And if you don't really handle it in the way of the Lord, you lose. In fact, you go crazy and they're still alive. That is why. Do you know, do you know that the unforgiving heart is actually the one who's been in torment than the, 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 the offender? I, I can do something against you now and you are there. Boy, oh man, I tell you, going into your heart and then in the night I just go to sleep. And then you are there, wide awake. Going through, and I would not know what you are going through. You are eating yourself up, you are eating myself up. And just ask God, pray to God that you don't even remember that person you have not forgiven before you go to bed. 
you may not sleep anymore. And lo and behold, God forbid you hear the sound of his car. You know, sometimes you hear some cars, some cars are falling apart, you know, you can see the, you can hear and know the difference. That man is coming or that woman is coming. I can, I know the sound. All of a sudden your heart goes bump. Imagine one thing about you confronting, walking for confronting the person you have not forgiven. Have you ever seen your blood go up? And run up? I don't know. The blood will run up. Telling you one thing. What's the blood telling you? That your heart is evil. You got a problem. You have not forgiven this person. That's why I'm going up. And if you don't take time, I keep running up and you fall. So, the <laughs> unforgiveness, you start from yourself. Father, I have sinned. Take away every threat of unforgiveness. Otherwise, you cannot reach until you clean yourself up. You cannot pray for somebody else. Have mercy upon me because I have harbored unforgiveness for a long time. I've eaten myself up. I'm eating somebody else up. I have laid a heavy burden on someone, and yet I keep praying for you to, to you to lift my own up. Then once you have done that, whom do you forgive? First of all, yourself. Start from there. Then secondly, any and all. What did I say? Any and what? Any and all that have offended you in this life. You better let it go. Read me Mark eleven twenty five, please. And Mark eleven twenty five, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. What is important to be there? If you if you have anything against anyone, that is why James. 2.10 says one thing. If I break one law out of all the laws, I've broken all. Because you see, law is law. If we have all the law, we said, don't steal, don't kill. And then I go and steal. I've broken the law, whether I like it or not. So if I keep all and break one, I have lost the battle also. You must forgive all. No matter whatever they have done in your life. If you want to have freedom and begin to hear the voice of God. Begin to have God speak to you and walk with you. Set your heart free from the bondage. Because the spiritual unforgiveness is the one that eats up the offender and the offended. It will eat up. Now, how often do you forgive? Everybody knows this one, right? Where is it? Where is it? Matthew, Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Peter asked the same question. He said 70 times what? Seven. You forgive 70 times seven. But what is Christ talking about? You forgive every time and infinity. You know why? Because love and forgiveness, love has no limit. Therefore, forgiveness has no limit. You know why it doesn't have any limit? Don't worry about anybody who tells you. You know, you know somebody will give you an argument. Somebody gave me an argument and said, but what Christ said, if your brother offends you, he got one right and got the rest wrong. It's like a, there's a group of people who are trying for me to talk to them and reconcile them. I said, that's not what God has said, but I'll pray. And after praying, it's like trying to reconcile them. And one of them told me, said, I have been, I'm one of the pillars in the church, in the Catholic church or what it is and that. 
I said, if you're one of the pillars, you got a problem. That's why. If you're one of the pillars, you should be just like grass. Because if you're a pillar in the house of God, you got a problem. Then what are you going to tell me, pillar? Tell me, tell me. He said, but God, why would we reconcile with them? There is no way reconciliation can happen between us and them in this my life. Because God said, if your right eye offends you, cut it off. You see how you use a scripture that doesn't make sense and turn it into hatred. If you are right, I offense you. I said, yes. I said, well, I know you have so many children. I said, yes. And many of them have offended you. I said, yes. How come you haven't killed all of them? And your eyes, right? Those bad things, you see, let's, block it. let's begin right now from you. He said, uh, what are you talking about? I said, God is not talking about the nonsense you are talking about. God is saying, if there are that thing in your life that is offending God, that you are doing wrong against God, he said, cut it off before it ruins you completely. But you have used it now. And said, he said, cut them off. You don't have to have anything to do with them. Now, what am I saying in essence? How many times? Infinity. He's saying there's no limit to any kind of love and any kind of forgiveness, whatever you can have at that point. Now, because of time, because let's close anything about forgiveness today. Hopefully, if you have questions, because you usually have many questions when it comes to this, like, this nature. Now, somebody asked me, said, do this. I have already said this before, and maybe we're putting it in the table, I don't know. And that was in, in, in Port Harcourt, and said, what of this person I've been forgiven? In fact, the guy was just pointing the figure. I thought he was going to hit me. If I wasn't like an angel, I thought maybe he was angry with me. You know, sometimes we, when we start saying something, you would think that we're angry. Especially when we're arguing about like politics. When you come into that room, one of my friends almost ran out and said, they're quarreling. I said, who's quarreling? He said, yeah, people are fighting there. I said, they're not fighting. They're all just arguing. Our voice may go up, but that's just the way we are. He was pointing at me. What of this guy every day wants to kill me? And I keep forgiving. He said, forgive, forgive, forgive. What do I do? I said, well, let him kill you. He said, kill you? I said, yes. And I gave him an example. And the Lord said, asked me an example. I said, let's, let's get this right. You went to your market. Why is it? I said, Diobo. Diobo. But like I said, you, you went to the market here. And you bought a small, nice goat. And today, the stupid goat breaks away and runs into the bush and runs away. What would you do? He said, I'll go look for it. I said, good. How about this? you just get the goat and you put it again and tie it again and tomorrow the same thing? Say, I'll go look for what are the third times I'll go look for. So you go look for the goat. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I guess it's like this place. You know, sometimes they, they talk to the plant and they love the, they talk to the plant and they talk to the dog and everything. But a human being that formed in the image of God, no, 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 no. I will never have anything to do with this person anymore. How screwed up the priority of human beings. In other words, what I'm saying that I told this guy, I said, okay, if the guy is going to kill you, let him kill you. He said, oh, that's an abomination. I said, how can it be an abomination? Because since all your life, you have not done one single thing that I've kept to your life. And now that you are trying to obey and follow the Lord, and the Lord told you that, if I'm with you, no, 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 no. He said, who can do it? Now, what I'm saying is that there are some people who are out there that no matter whatever we do, they want our downfall. But have you wondered why you have not fallen? 
they will never get you down. As long as you follow the way of God. But if you want to get down, then follow them. And Proverbs 26.4 says what? Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. You just be like him. The same thing, what you do. Okay, now let's, <laughs> let's cross over. Don't answer him as if, if you follow him, he's using the method of the devil. If you follow him with the same method, you're going to lose. Because he's a child of the devil. So, now, spiritual repentance is not complete. Except you can forgive and forget. Now, that's, that's a big one, right? That's a big one. Let me tell you how. The Spirit of God, when it comes to help you, this is what's going to happen. You may remember, nobody will ever forget completely what happened to you. Listen to me. But you have arrived, and the kingdom of God is in you. If when you remember that everything, then you have a spirit, you can glorify God. What am I talking about? You see, when we get angry because of what happened to us in the past, or the affliction, it's because we don't have a spiritual attitude. We have not grown to the point where Paul said, all these light afflictions are nothing. Where James said, rejoice when you suffer. You know why? Because if you have a spiritual eye, say, this thing that is coming in, I will beat it, and it will be for the glory of God. You will be surprised. There is nothing that God allows to happen to any of his children. Nothing that will not eventually turn good if you endure with him. I am telling you right now, no matter whatever happens, it will come. And examples abound. They are all over there. Look at what happened to Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers. And yet, maybe after having dreams, and you might think, oh, that's the end of the whole world for him. And he went there. But then God did that intentionally. He allowed it. Why? You may say, we already covered this before, that God created everything, and he created evil also for his own purpose, whatever that may be. But eventually, to save the family, God does it in different ways. And if you don't really bear with God, and walk with him according to the way he wants to walk, you will never learn that lesson he's trying to teach you. I am telling you honestly speaking, you will not. Moses went into, what? Exile, 40 years. Unless you pause. Father, what are you trying to teach me? Please help me to, to take care of it. And the Spirit of God will teach you to go through. By the time you reach there, oh, it will come be, be the best thing for you. But if you just immediately write down and start complaining and murmuring, then he said, okay, since you did not pass one class, go back and repeat it. Because I was trying to teach you something, but you are more occupied by what? Murmuring and complaining. Now, what am I saying? Christ, when he was crucified, the whole thing was that, let's get rid of this man. But they didn't know. They were trying to save you and I. But God allowed it. And we have gone to an example before. Remember what? As of Apostle, right? Three. Six of the, you see, you see, Paul or Saul crucifying the church. A little man persecuting the church. Like most things, they persecute you. You can go and say, oh God, why are you allowing this thing? After all, I mean, I am with you, Lord. I am of for you. But look at the affliction and trouble I'm going through. And God looked at you and said, what if you have a spiritual attitude, you will understand. You know what spiritual attitude does to you? The spirit attitude determines how far you will suffer and how you will just win it. Even when you are sick, have a very negative attitude. You're going to die. 
But if you have a bright attitude and say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm telling you, I don't know. That's how it happened. You see, that's the fate you're talking about. So he allowed it that Saul would go ahead and preach the gospel because to get people to leave Jerusalem, that comfort zone, and go and preach the gospel. But what did I tell you? Unless you forgive and forget. Where is it in the Bible you may be telling me? Jeremiah 31, 34, please. Let's go. Are we going to be able to finish it? I don't know. Where will be hopefully? No. Jeremiah 31, 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no, no more. No more. Isaiah 43, 25, please. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. For my own and sake. I will not remember will your not sins. Remember. Let me, you know why I'm saying this? If I say, and that is very common, please. Get it right. Ask God to give you. Don't, don't leave here saying, you know, all the things he talked about, man, that's uh, nobody, is it possible? Ask God to give it to you, not me. You see, if I say I've forgiven, and yet whenever I remember the person, I have bitterness in my heart, I've not forgiven the person. That's why I gave you guys an example. Someone who did me in that you could not even imagine in this life. With a partner of mine, somebody did me in. A friend, a very close friend of mine, almost one million. With the partners we had at home, we were doing marine and oil services. And yet, when I go home, it's in his house, I'm staying. And now he's beginning Bible study in his house. He don't know whether God, what is a million, if God will use whatever he did, try to save one soul. He just don't know what God does. So when we begin to look at affliction, as a blessing, that distance, whatever it is, God, please. Then, if you use that, that, that spiritual attitude comes into you, you can love anybody, knowing fully whether there's a reason God allowed it for that purpose. Now, let me, let me close this. And I've, for those of you who have not been preaching this before, I'm sure you can answer it. Some, some who have not had me will not answer it. And that's one thing, because the Lord asked me when I was in Nigeria, I said, well, can I retract forgiveness? I said that before, because you were there, yes. But everywhere I've gone, everybody tells me, no way. Can I return? Can I say, I've forgiven you today, and in one year, or five, five, six months, I said, I'm taking it back. Can God do that? Yeah. No, I'm asking, yes, what? Because you have just said, <laughs> I said, those who have me, everywhere, every because that's what I said. The Lord asked me, I said, absolutely no. You are God. Once you're forgiven, you have, if you forgive, then you're retracted. You didn't forgive. And everywhere you go, they said, no, if God forgives, it will not retract. But that's not the Bible. He said, I will retract. If you, I forgive you, and it turns around that you turn around and don't forgive somebody else, I'll retract it on my own. That's a scripture. And it's in Matthew 18. I'm going to show you to you right now. In Matthew 18, we had the issue of the word, a wicked servant. This wicked servant, the Lord forgave so much money. But he turned around and when he was walking on the street, he, said, he saw another fellow servant owing only five dollars. He said, give me my money. And the man said, I don't have, please have, have mercy. He said, no way, you're going to prison right now. And he went to prison 
and they came back and told the master, I said, did you know that the guy you forgave one million dollars couldn't forgive this one and send him to prison? He said, what? Bring him back here. He brought him back. Just read 34 to 35. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. He forgave him. You see what I'm saying? Then go on, 35. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. From his heart. If each of you, I have forgiven you. We go ahead and we keep asking and forgive, forgive, and God says, I have forgiven you. But in our heart, we have not forgiven. God said, I can take it back. Now, if Christ didn't say that, I will argue in my life that God, once he's forgiven, it's gone. But he tells me that. And if I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. He said that. So also my Heavenly Father will do. So, look at the severest consequence of unforgiveness. It's unbelievable. And that's why we should all drop it off from tonight. Now, before we end or follow up, I will pray one minute prayer. Lord, as I'm led to pray, the spirit of fear to be off you and the spirit of forgiveness to come in and take over. That's what we need. God needs to give us that. No matter whatever the person has done. Begin that way. When you get to the point where so you remember that thing somebody did to you, you say, Lord, thank you very much. I'm still alive and you did all this. Then you have gone to a different level. May the Lord bless you and keep you in the name of Jesus Christ.